You're listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Is the night really more dangerous than the day? Are there more wicked people out at night? Common wisdom tells us that the darkness is malevolent and that we're inviting peril if we venture out into it. Respectable people go to bed at a respectable time, and those that are out in the wee hours are either up to no good or get what's coming to them. But what about the night owl? The person who has that joyous burst of creative energy when the sun is gone. The person who seeks out the world in its altered, shrouded incarnation because it's quiet or beautiful or different. Research in 2013 found a connection between night owls and those with a sinister constellation of personality traits, ominously labeled the dark triad. Peter Jonasson is the lead author on that study. The dark triad are uh, three traits, uh, thus the word triad, uh, composed of psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. Psychopathy's main feature is antisocial activity. Narcissism is characterized by extreme selfishness, grandiosity, and craving for admiration. And Webster's defines Machiavellianism as the view that any means, however unscrupulous, can justifiably be used in achieving political power. Its chief characteristics are manipulation, deceit, and exploitation of others. Typically, anyone who has one of them has the other, because they're not actually genuinely distinct. They have unique features, but they share a really meaningful core, which has to do with things like dishonesty and what I've called a fast life strategy uh, and and features like that. So you're unlikely to find someone who is, for instance, a narcissist and also not going to score reasonably well on psychopathy, for example. These are traits that are considered to be socially antagonistic, often considered to be social pathologies, traditionally considered even to be things that needed treatment. Dr. Jonasson was trained as a social personality psychologist. His work draws from multiple disciplines like economics and anthropology to understand human nature. He's done a number of research studies involving the dark triad. I'm an academic, currently a senior lecturer and hopefully soon to be an associate professor of psychology at Western Sydney University. I do research in social psychology, personality psychology, as well as organizational psychology, typically using an evolutionary paradigm. So that essentially means what are the the functional reasons for particular, say, mate preferences or uh, personality traits in people's lives, functional as in facilitating survival and uh, reproduction. A lot of his research has focused on mating strategies, particularly which ones work and why. You can take apparently bizarre kind of sexual behavior like booty calls and friends with benefits, and you can understand them through the paradigmatic lens of evolutionary psychology. So strategies like playing hard to get, uh, for example, or what might you do if you have a mating shortage? Right? So if you can't get the guys or the girls you want, maybe you lower your standards, maybe you cast a wider net, or maybe you would just abstain. Dr. Jonasson's research actually reveals quite a lot of overlap between mating strategies, psychopathy, and nighttime behavior. In fact, he says the pickup artist community has been particularly interested in his research and their efforts to enhance techniques for seduction and sexual success with women, much of which takes place at night. 
Picking up girls, I suspect, is easier at night than it is during the day. Like going to a grocery store and trying to run your lines uh, is probably harder than running your lines at a nightclub when, you know, when you're dressed all flash and, and, and all these things that, that pickup artists do. Booty calls tend to predominantly be one of the defining features is that they're a, a phone call made uh, with the implicit, at least, intent to get sex, and they tend to occur when it's dark out. A sexual request at midnight is not seen as creepy as a sexual uh, request at noon. People's engagement in relationships uh, of these kinds are related to the dark triad, and there is something there that the, the, the dark triad traits and related traits like uh, casual sex attitudes, for instance, casual sex behavior, are things that are more uh, nighttime oriented. The personality traits included in the dark triad have generally been considered to be pretty socially unacceptable, except that may be changing. Narcissism up until recently was considered a personality disorder, and, and now that narcissism has gone uh, what you might call mainstream, it, uh, it's no longer considered a pathology because it's, I mean, narcissism is essentially everywhere you go now. People's whole careers are built on their narcissism. I often say to people, people who have the assumption that narcissism is a bad thing, I say, how's Kanye West doing with his narcissism? Is he really suffering? You know, no, it's, he's doing well because of his narcissism. It's a matter of how you define well, right? And so if you define well as having positive relationships that say positive psychologists or even hippies might think people should have, then no, they're probably not having those kinds of relationships like spiritual enlightenment and things like that. But they're, they're getting the relationship partners they want, they're having career success. You know, corporate psychopathy is one of these related topics where these, these apparent, you know, if I can curse, assholes, are able to rise in these organizations and, and accrue lots of benefits, both financially and even romantically and sexually. The same traits that society claims to revile are often highly valued, given the right circumstances. You may have the disposition to be high on psychopathy, but you could have a context that shapes you and so that your psychopathy is expressed in a way that we're not particularly bothered by. Maybe you become a, a police officer, a Navy SEAL, a professor, you know, for example. And we're okay with that. But if your psychopathy is paired with an environment that might create criminality in you, well, there you end up being a naughty person, so to speak. So these traits that seem like they might be bad often come with some glimmer of, of utility. So the idea of, of these are bad traits. Uh, the first problem there is, as Obi-Wan said, you know, good and bad are just a matter of point of view. And so like psychopathy, these are people who are really good at prioritizing themselves, often at the cost of others. And so in a really highly connected, mutualistic world that we live in now, those are traits that not only we don't like, but we, we want to punish because they potentially cost the rest of us in terms of externalities. But if your back is to the wall, these are traits that are particularly useful at prioritizing yourself to do things like survive, to get the things you need from the world when you are either literally under survival threat or you've lived in a world and your psychology has been shaped in a way that says life sucks take what i can get now because i can't predict that there's going to be there a time in the future and so this is one of the contributions that i i think i've brought to this field actually is to get people to back up a little bit and say hey wait a minute as much as we don't like these traits as people who, and people who tend to be groupish in their disposition there are likely to be benefits to being for instance psychopathic 
the example I always give is, look, if you're a mom and someone steals your baby from you as you're walking down the street, your ability to chase that person down and beat them up is a function of your ability of your psychopathy to switch on and to stop caring about the abductor and to prioritize you and your baby. And so this has a direct Darwinian value to save your child at the cost of someone else. And so people usually seem to resonate with that particular example because they're like, yeah, that's what I would do. Nobody sees that as psychopathy, but your ability to beat someone up is essentially your ability to turn off your empathy systems, right? And all psychopathy as a clinical disorder, like a killer psychopath, is really just a person whose life has so commonly led them to have to prioritize themselves that we call it a essentially a lifetime disposition that these people have, and we, we want to lock them up and they do horrible things. So they just had enough bad experiences that they're always on alert. Whether or not people become psychopaths because of bad experiences, the fact remains that being on the receiving end of psychopathic behavior is usually pretty unpleasant. Most people see these traits as dark. I mean, if you think about them interpersonally, you don't want to date someone who, who you know overtly is a narcissist or someone who you know overtly is a psychopath. You might have some inkling. I mean, lots of women say, oh, my boyfriend's a psychopath, and they don't really mean in a clinical sense. They're just being angry about their boyfriends. But to know for sure that this guy is a psychopath or this girl is a narcissist is that these are undesirable traits for both our, for our romantic partners, for our, our business partners. Dr. Jonasson maintains that viewing the dark triad traits as black and white or good and bad is a faulty categorization based on moral judgments. Even the labeling of the traits as quote unquote dark is part of that bias, according to him. It's a holdover of, of what is essentially, it's a vestige of what I would call the old way of thinking, which is ultimately from people who only see the world in light terms. They think light is the only way to go. They don't think that the dark offers anything of, of value beyond let's find these people, detect them, punish them, kill them, run them out of our cities, identify and eliminate these social pathologies. That's basically why it's the dark triad. You know, but these are the people who lead the raids in wars uh, for, for time immemorial. These are the people who are able to, in times of famine, to kill that cute little bunny when we need to eat. I mean, you, you, because you can turn off your empathy system. So when that cute bunny is looking at you with those eyes, most people are incapable of being essentially the psychopath and saying, I need to eat. I'm going to kill this cute little bunny. Dr. Jonasson argues that instead of labeling psychopaths as bad or evil, we should be using other descriptors. They might be self-interested. So the things that they do, we evaluate as evil because what essentially evil is, is doing things that don't fit with our agenda or our group's agenda. And so we define it as evil. So James Bond is my favorite example. If James Bond ever was killing you know, British people, we would call that evil, right? But he's killing the enemy, right? He's killing Dr. No, he's killing Blofeld, these others who are threatening us. And so we don't call that evil, but if you were objective, and looked at, this guy's a killer. He is straight up a killer. And so we don't seem to vilify him. We even celebrate him to a large degree. I mean, how many James Bond movies are there? I mean, 20, 30? So you're probably thinking, what does all this psychopathy and narcissism have to do with night owls? The findings suggest that the, the dark triad traits especially the darker elements of them, are correlated with a nighttime chronotype. And what that means then is these are people who tend to be active more during the night 
than during the day. And so there's this essential correlation, both in a literal sense, like, you know, P of 0.05 or kind of correlation, but also in life of bad things happen at night. And this is a tying in of the dispositions for being naughty with the time that being naughty is essentially the easiest. So there's this pairing of environment in terms of time of day environment and personality traits that would ostensibly facilitate an exploitive social and sexual strategy. Dr. Jonasson contends that the night is, in fact, more dangerous than the day. Theft is more likely to occur at night. Murder is more likely to occur at night. Uh, sexual crimes are more likely to occur at night. What the, the darkness does is it seems to provide this psychological cover for people to be naughty. I think the night, it's, you feel like you're less likely to get caught for some reason. What happens at night? Fewer people are awake. The people who are awake tend to be not as aware because of not just less light, but because people are tired, right? So people are more likely to take advantage of you when you're tired because you're not able to defend yourself psychologically because most people are day people, right? Most people are active during the day and they go to bed when, uh, when darkness falls, so to speak. A further interesting finding of Dr. Jonasson's work is that people high in dark triad traits have somehow evolved to want to live in certain kinds of places. I have some pretty convincing data that people high in the dark triad prefer and say they live in the city versus suburbs, rural areas. And if we take their zip code, we can work out the population density of where they live. They, they also live in more population dense areas as well. And so I think that part of the dark triad uh, psychology here is is a seeking out of opportunities to exploit people. And indeed, one of the questions we asked in this study was, what are the features of an environment that you want to live in? And one, and they, all three of the dark triad traits agreed that one of the features is a place with lots of cover, uh, as in places to hide, somewhere that is uh, exciting, somewhere that has lots of potential mates, sex partners, and a, and a place where there's lots of people to exploit. Okay, so let's go back to 2013. Dr. Jonasson and his colleagues released their findings with a paper titled Creatures of the Night. Almost immediately, headlines start appearing such as new study suggests night owls have psychopathic traits and night owls more likely to be antisocial, psychopathic. An article in the Huffington Post declares that the study showed night owls may be more nefarious than their early bird counterparts. The Telegraph's headline runs, Night Owls, More Likely to Have Dark Triad of Personality Traits. It all sounds pretty damning and confirming of stereotypes about people who inhabit the night. And it probably freaked out a whole bunch of night owls. There's just one problem with these news reports. They all got it completely wrong. Right, so this is, this is the most common misrepresentation of this study. It's not that night owls are more likely to be psychopathic and narcissistic and Machiavellian. It's that people who are Machiavellian, psychopathic, and narcissistic are more likely to be night owls. It's the other way around. There's lots of reasons to be a night owl. It's just that people high on psychopathy and the other traits, of course, seem to, let's say, preferentially lean this way. They have a bias towards a nighttime chronotype. It doesn't mean that other people don't have nighttime chronotypes and are perfectly nice people. There's an old adage in the field of applied statistics. Correlation does not imply causation. Simply put, just because two things tend to occur close together does not mean that one causes the other. 
but thinking they do is a very common logical error. Yes, yes. so uh, this is a, an often tricky part for people to grasp when it comes to evolutionary hypotheses. We're not making a causality claim here. What we're saying is that it just happens that people who fall high on the psychopathy distribution also fall high on the, the nighttime chronotype distribution. And this is where Dr. Jonas's specialty in evolutionary psychology comes in. The reason that people high on dark triad traits, manipulative, narcissistic psychopaths, are more likely to be night owls is that it's more efficient to exploit and manipulate people at night. It's basically natural selection 101. The psychopaths who operated at night were more successful, and over time, the trait of being a night owl became a likely feature among that group. My argument is that it's probably the best time to be exploitive, to take advantage of people. And like, there's always variability. This is the point, one of the points of Darwinism that Darwin gave us, is that there's always variability every generation in various personality traits and physical traits and things like that. And all that the dark triad people might have done is developed a preference that all, okay, if you were high in the dark triad and you had a preference for being a night owl, you were more successful in the challenges that were faced. And what that meant was over evolutionary history, I think it's people who are dark triad people, right? People high on the dark triad will have potentially been more successful in exploiting other people if they had a, an ability, for example, to stay up later, to be awake later. And that's ultimately what the nighttime chronotype is about, the night owl thing, is that these are people who are cognitively more able to function and their metabolism is working better at night. And, and it's, for most people, that's not the case, right? For most of us, it's, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and we're like, oh, I want to go to bed. So what Peter Jonasson is suggesting is that it's not that night owls are more likely to be psychopaths and narcissists, but the opposite. Those high in dark triad traits are more likely to be night owls. He further argues that there are actually many different subcultures of nocturnal people, besides that of criminals. People who have to work at night due to economic factors, teenagers whose circadian rhythms lend to staying up later, and the sort of classic romantic subculture of the creative artist type, and there is no evidence to suggest overlap between the different subcultures on other variables. I mean, indeed, the creativity one is an interesting one because there's, there's almost no good evidence that uh, people high on the dark triad are creative. I've done two studies, and I think there's maybe one or two else out there. And what we found, for example, is uh, we gave what's called the objects test. And what you do is you, you present participants with essentially innocuous objects, a book, uh, a paperclip, and a brick for instance, and you have them list all the ways that they can use that object. And what we found was, for instance, narcissism being the most funny example, is that these are people who reported that they were very creative. But when we actually looked at the objective measures of creativity, they weren't creative at all. And so there isn't really any good association between the dark triad and creativity in a, in a meaningful way. So these are just, these are two groups of people. They're not overlapping and they also occupy this nighttime niche. And so it might be that the, the nighttime provides other things for these creative types like uh, solitude, right? And, 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 and maybe even it's a time when maybe they're doing drugs and drinking then, right? So you think of, uh, like the Moulin Rouge kind of time where people are having absinthe and it's this, this very bohemian, creative uh, lifestyle. I read Dr. Jonasson's research paper. It never, not once, claims that night owls are more likely to possess dark triad traits. Its findings are actually pretty limited. 
and only mention that there is a correlation between dark triad traits and the nocturnal chronotype. So why did the headlines get it so wrong? We don't like nuance. We like simple, simple, simple headlines. I mean, I've seen some of the headlines about some of my work, and I'm just like, oh, you totally got it wrong. Like, you're just, you're, you're oversimplifying this. And I think partly because the media uh, tends to dumb it down to something around like a fifth grade level. They, they don't do a very good job at reporting it because not only do they not understand it, but they don't actually respect it either. And so even when they're a science journalist, they, they may actually not be good, well-trained scientists who are able to genuinely report the important aspects. I mean, I see this even in my PhD students sometimes where they, they, they attend to the wrong bits of information in a study. And so they fixate on the points that don't actually matter because they don't know how to take out the important pieces of the study. So they get fixated on sample size or they're fixated on the, the particular measure that was used as opposed to the theory theoretical advance and the quality of evidence that has been advanced to support that case, there seems to be almost a, if not explicit, implicit misunderstanding and distrust of science among the media, and then that perpetuates these kind of negative sellings of people's science. Maybe the worst part, if we can pick on journalists for another second, is that a lot of times they don't actually go and read the article. Let's say you wrote a, a review of a paper of mine, right, for some newspaper, from New York Times or something, and all the other people do is they just pirate yours. They read yours, and then they, they write theirs based on that, as opposed to going and reading the paper. People don't tend to go and find the paper on their own. If you do read the research paper, you'll see that Dr. Jonasson and his colleagues are the first to point out the limitations of their study. A narrow sample, limited measures, small correlations. It's not earth-shattering work, but it is science. It probably grabbed the headlines, misleading as they were, because psychopaths and the night are kind of sexy topics. There's an element of danger to both. There's another reason, though, that the study got so much attention. It received the honor of the Ig Nobel Prize. Not the Nobel Prize, but a parody of that award. The name of the award is a play on the word ignoble, meaning common or base. The prize celebrates 10 unusual or trivial achievements in scientific research. Other winners in 2014 were a physics group who measured the amount of friction between a shoe and a banana skin and between a banana skin and the floor when a person steps on a banana skin that's on the floor, and a neuroscience group who studied what happens in the brains of people who see the face of Jesus in a piece of toast. The Ig Nobel Prizes are presented by actual Nobel laureates in a ceremony at Harvard University. After the ceremony, the winners give public lectures at MIT, another renowned institution of higher learning. Yeah, I don't know who nominated me. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that it was probably one of my enemies. Uh, and, and it was a nomination meant to be like, you know, oh, I think Peter's work is crap, so I'm going to recommend him for this award. But Stephen Fry, if you know who Stephen Fry is, who's incredibly brilliant, uh, he said on his show, he's a British show called QI, which is uh, one of the smartest shows that probably exists. A few years ago, he said, look, if you can't get a Nobel Prize, the next best thing is an Ig Nobel Prize, right? And it's the, it's like the fun version Right? It's meant to be for research that makes you laugh, and then it makes you think. I like that because I think we, we often take ourselves too seriously, especially as academics. And can science be fun? Yes. How can we make science fun? Well, here's an example. And so the Ig Nobel in that way is a, a, a great example. And so I got a, an email saying, oh, you know, you've won the, the Ig Nobel Award in psychology. You know, we'd like you to come out to Harvard, to Boston, to, uh, to get this award. 
And it was an odd experience because for a lot of the people there, they kind of took it as a joke. Even the, the people who were receiving the award, uh, you know, they, they they did skits and it was meant to be, it was a bit of like a, a farce if you watch some of the videos. I was a bit more dignified. I was like, yes, I, I appreciate this award. I don't think this paper is all that impressive, but thank you. Like, I, I, I appreciate the, the recognition for, you know, my, my role in making the dark triad popular. As to why this little paper linking dark personality traits to night owls won the Ig Nobel distinction? I think the thought process probably went something like this. You, you read the paper and at first you're like, bullshit, right? And then, and then you're reading it, and I'm making this case that actually is reasonable. And then it's like, oh shit, like that actually makes sense now. Like I thought it, it seemed like a stupid correlation, like a, a correlation that would be meaningless. And it, it, indeed, this is one of the tricks that a lot of people I think struggle with when they they go through their PhD and even in their career, is there's a bit of creativity here that you need to be able to make sense of the correlations that you see uh, in the world, and. If it was just one of the traits, you could kind of dismiss it. But the fact that it's it's all three of the traits, and in particular, it's the darker aspects of all three of the traits. And it's like, ah, this is like, you've now kind of almost, you've almost replicated the effect three times here. So it's like, there might be something here now. You know, it's the joke about once is an anomaly, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. I don't consider myself to actually be an expert in chronotype research. I found myself just by happenstance to, to really have gotten into this field. But the, the research in that area, chronotype, just like in personality, is particularly limited in that it's just correlational. And so unless you have good, strong theoretical models, which I think evolutionary theory provides, to explain why some traits cluster together and other traits uh, cluster together, you're just kind of groping in the dark. A side note here, and I didn't notice this at first, but when you go to the website for the Ig Nobel Prize, in the list of winners for 2014, they got it wrong about Dr. Jonasson's study, too lauding it for, quote, amassing evidence that people who habitually stay up late are, on average, more self-admiring, more manipulative, and more psychopathic than people who habitually arise early in the morning. Dr. Jonasson noted the error at his lecture at MIT, but he doubts that it matters, because the headlines would still have gotten it wrong. So the upshot here? If you're a night owl, don't feel bad. Just go with it. Chances are, you're not a manipulative, narcissistic psychopath, no matter what anyone says. So what may be being expressed there is not you're a psychopath, but why are you up at two in the morning? Like, you're just a weirdo. Don't feel bad. I'll say that. Don't feel bad. That's what Dr. Peter Jonasson says. Don't feel bad. Don't listen to what other people say. Enjoy the nighttime niche. You know, what's the song? Uh, uh, we like the nightlife. We like to boogie. It's such an old song. Sorry, it's a bad joke. listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Nocturne is produced with support from KCRW's Independent Producer Project, which provides resources to creative storytellers around the world. If you like the show, there are a few ways you can help us out. First, tell all of your friends in both real life and the other one. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and you can support the show financially by going to nocturnepodcast.org and clicking on the Donate button, which lets you help us out on either Patreon or PayPal. 
You can contact us through the website, and we're on Twitter at Nocturne Podcast and on Facebook. Nocturne is a founding member of The Herd, a collective of stellar producers who make fascinating and beautiful podcasts. One of our shows is back from a break, and it's so good. It's called How to Be a Girl, and it tells the story of a mom raising her transgender daughter. You can find How to Be a Girl anywhere you listen to podcasts. Find out more about The Herd at theherdradio.com. Thanks for listening.